Indigenous community groups and leaders in Alice Springs have expressed optimism that the new alcohol restrictions announced by the federal and territory government at last night's meeting will bring some peace to the town amid an escalation in crime and violence there. The so-called Stronger Futures bans elapsed uh, what well in dozens of the Northern Territory's most remote and regional First Nations communities last July, including in Alice Springs town camps after being in place for 15 years. Today on Breakfast, the Territory Chief Minister, uh, Natasha Files, was unequivocal about the failure of previous interventions. The intervention in the Northern Territory disempowered Aboriginal Territorians and it was the previous coalition government that walked away and left the Northern Territory with no measures. So we have many alcohol policies. We continue to work in this space and be agile and respond to the community's needs. Well, Professor Peter Yu was tasked by the then Labor government to review the intervention just one year after its introduction back in 2007. He's a Yaru man from Broome in Western Australia and is the inaugural Vice President First Nations Portfolio at the Australian National University. Welcome to you, Professor. Oh, day, Andy. Thanks very much. We've heard look at a number of Indigenous people say in recent days that they were, you know, warned the NT government that the lifting of... Uh, these bans would be catastrophic. Do you think this crisis was predictable? Well, as crises go, you'd probably have to say this has been an ongoing crisis uh, for a very, very long time. I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary. Um, You know, uh, while we're focused at the moment uh, in in Alice Springs uh, because of the kind of the, the media attention on it, uh, this is uh, something that is a of concern and issue right across Australia in, um, in Aboriginal communities. And so I think what we've seen, of course, is that the uh, unfortunately the, the, the response is for some form of intervention. I'm not suggesting that intervention isn't warranted at the times, but I think there are fundamental issues that are uh, underpin the, uh, the, the, the reasons for the continuing lack of success. In all of this situation, one has to understand that there are some very capable and competent Aboriginal organisations and leadership on the ground that are, that are struggling with this every on an everyday basis, uh, but find it very difficult to uh, make uh, some significant progress because they just do not have the level of authority or the amount of investment required uh, to engage with the community. The, uh, the 2008 review, uh, clearly prior to the intervention uh, by the uh, previous um, coalition government in the Northern Territory, um, there were things that were happening that were working. Just to illustrate what I'm trying to say, there were things like managed income. There were things like people seeking alcohol restrictions. Uh, There were attempts to actually get the community uh, to take greater responsibility in managing that risk. Uh, But unfortunately, um, we continue to see the kind of the... The, 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 I guess the inability of governments to understand um, what is required to be able to shift the dial significantly. Okay, things can- on that, I just reading your review board report from 2008, and I quote, your recommendation was alcohol supply, demand and harm reduction strategies be implemented urgently to ensure the sustainability and long-term success of the alcohol restriction measures, end quote. Were those recommendations implemented following your review? Uh, not that I can recall. It's been some time since I've read, but... Well, uh, well, why I, not? 
Well, you could ask the question: Why not for every government program that exists that uh, that is is applied in Aboriginal communities, no matter what it is, whether it's housing, whether it's to deal with the incarceration rates, in, uh, the suicide, unacceptable suicide levels? You'd have to say the why not question is something is is a national question that uh, the Australian community needs to be a part of answering. Why not? Um, because uh, you know how many reviews and royal commissions and investigations over the last, you know, 200 and so odd years that we've had where any recommendations have been uh, followed. Uh, look at the uh, Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths and Custodies. We're still having Aboriginal people die in, in, in prison and in custody. So there's something fundamentally wrong, Andy, with, with the, the relationship um, that exists, well, that doesn't exist exactly, with, um, with governments uh, and the people that are being affected by that. Uh, the NT government defended its position on the lifting of alcohol restrictions last year and the creation of an opt-in system for communities that wanted to stay dry, saying that the intervention was racist and didn't work. Do you agree? The, the, the question I would ask is what support programs were built around that decision to enable there to be an orderly transition and to empower the community to manage the risk of what we're seeing occur today. L- like, like the ones you recommended? Yeah, correct, correct. That correct. weren't I mean, implemented? That's right. I mean, previously the Northern Territory Government um, had a, uh, a commissioner uh, responsible for um, referring problem drinkers uh, either by their family or other uh, programs that enabled them to seek help, so to manage their alcohol problem. Um, let, let's, you know, we, we know alcohol is a problem. We can't escape that. That's the reality. Um, there are people who are vulnerable and who need. It's a, it's a significantly a health issue, not a criminal issue. So the investment needs to be addressed from that point, that perspective. And I think that, um, you know, I think that the continuing um, uh, toing and froing and inability of governments to understand that Aboriginal people are the only ones who, in fact, can manage this risk. Government interventions can only occur with any success if they are if they are uh, owned and designed by Aboriginal people on the ground. Yeah, on that, you commented in a piece recently that you estimate roughly 30 cents in every dollar spent by Canberra actually reaches Indigenous people on the ground. Why do you think it's so low? Well, you only have to understand our convoluted and complicated federated system and, and the way that it works constitutionally between the Commonwealth uh, and the states, but, and, but you and could the other. say that about any area of social welfare or support or infrastructure spend, for example. Well, that's true, but we're dealing with the most vulnerable of all in our society. Basically, we're dealing with uh, uh, people who are um, uh, are being exposed to the ongoing effects of colonisation. We're dealing with the fact that there's a vacuous um, a relationship in terms of engagement with Aboriginal people and governments in but making real decisions. That's why this the question of the voice is so critically important in the referendum because that is going to, for the first time, provide any real authority for Aboriginal people to affect any influence uh, in relation to the policy and programs um, that uh, aren't delivering and haven't been delivering since they started. It's a quarter past four on RN Drive. Professor Peter Yu from the Australian National University is here. We're talking about the legacy of the Northern Territory intervention. Uh, do you agree, Professor, with Linda Burney's analysis that if we already had a voice to Parliament, that this crisis could have been averted? Talk to me about that in practical terms, not perhaps ideological or sentiment-related terms. 
Yeah, I, I think it could be uh, because it, it's related to that whole question you ask about the uh, 30 cents and the dollar because most of that goes towards government public servants, the infrastructure and their ability to administer the programs. It's kind of a codependency. It's like you have to keep Aboriginal people dependent on the government welfare system to keep public servants and jobs. So, so therefore, the next I, question I, is, I think, will the voice create another layer of bureaucracy that will uh, threaten that 30 cents to, to reduce even lower? No, my, my, my view is, in fact, I think there will be a greater degree of accountability and I think there will be a greater transparency and, and focus in on the critical programs which are going to give Aboriginal people the authority uh, to negotiate uh, their ability to actually deliver the programs and to decide the kind of policy priorities that are required at their local and regional level. I think that's going to happen. I think one of the problems when I did the review in 2008 of the, uh, the Northern Territory Intervention One of the difficulties we have, Andy, is that there is no credible, accessible data that tells you or informs you about the real situation that's happening in the ground. And you can't even access this properly from government. Uh, One of the first things I wanted to do with the intervention when I chaired the board was to ask where are the data sets in relation to health, imprisonment, um, education, housing, all of those matters, and there was no, not anybody that could provide um, the review with detailed uh, uh, data sets in relation to those matters. People underestimate the effect of the power of data in, in being able to uh, understand the nature and the effectiveness of the investment that's coming in or where it isn't going. And I think that's part of the problem, to empower Aboriginal people to be able to make the right decisions, to be able to challenge governments, is to be able to uh, have access uh, and be able to manage that data. And I think that's what's going to happen from here and now. I think the opportunity here is not only for this immediate intervention in relation to the uh, alcohol restrictions that they're bringing in, but you need to get Aboriginal people in a position where they can start to understand that data, hold and manage that data so that they can put in place mitigating strategies to deal with the risks that they should Mm. be managing. We'll have to leave it there, Professor. Real pleasure to have your insights this afternoon. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Andy. Professor Peter Yu is the inaugural Vice President, First Nations Portfolio at the Australian National University. Well, coming up, it's something of a speed dating exercise uh, on in Sydney today as all the major online dating apps Uh, meet up with the government to try and improve your safety in the online dating jungle. You've been sharing your online dating experiences, whether they be good or bad or other, and how they could be improved on the text line 0418 Nat says, hi Andy, I think the app providers need to be more accountable when it comes to safety on their platforms. People should be employed to deal with breaches of the app's community standards in real time and report to people who raise concerns about what the steps might be. Thank you for that text. What do you think? Uh, and what are your experiences in the online dating world? Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. 0418 You'll hear from someone who was present at that meeting today in Sydney in 15 minutes. You're with Andy Park. This is RN Drive, 19 past four. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.